But today we're continuing our series, Beyond Borders. And this title, Beyond Borders, came from the 2017 Assembly of God World Missions theme for our year. And Beyond Borders is speaking of going beyond the borders of our city, beyond the borders of our state, beyond the borders of our country, and even beyond the borders of what we would call safe countries to evangelize in, to reach the lost to the very ends of the earth. And so uh, this week, as you can look around us, we put up some banners to remind ourselves every week, first of all, of uh, the world missionaries that we support, and secondly, to remind ourselves of our responsibility to personally carry out the same purpose right where we are. And so the purpose statement of uh, world missions is so all can hear. If you look over at the wall over there, everybody can read that, even without glasses, right? Uh, so all can hear. So every person on the planet should have an opportunity to hear the gospel and to make a decision whether they're going to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, this is really taken from Romans 10.14, which says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so, it is our responsibility as believers, it's the responsibility of the church to give everyone an opportunity to hear the gospel so that they can make a decision. And so the purpose statement of Assembly of God World Mission, so all can hear, is also the purpose of Life Church as well. Uh, we want everybody in our area here in the metro area of St. Louis, to hear the gospel. We want everyone in our country to hear the gospel as well as around the world. Now in the front we have four banners, depending on where you're seated. You may not be able to see all of them because of the posts. But starting on my right, uh, these, there are four banners. They're the fourfold mission of Assembly of God World Missions. It's how this purpose is going to be reached and how it is being reached so all can hear. How can that happen? Well, first of all, the first mission statement is to reach the lost. That's the purpose of outreach or evangelism in which we present the gospel to other people. We explain to them about who Jesus is, how they can believe and be saved. The second mission statement is to plant churches. This is the purpose of fellowship. It's not enough just to get people saved. They need to be incorporated into a local church right where they live. Every believer needs to be a committed member of a local church. The third statement is to train leaders. That's over on my left. And that is the purpose of discipleship, training and teaching believers to become teachers of others, to become witnesses, to become leaders themselves, raising up new leaders. And the fourth mission statement is to serve the poor. That is the purpose of ministry, serving the emotional, physical, spiritual needs of people both within and outside the church. And so those four mission statements are mission statements for Assembly of God World Missions. They're really mission statements for our church as well. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. Now inside your bulletins is a handout. It's, it's called uh, Facts, Stats, and Trends. You might want to take that out. <clears throat> just so you get a little more idea of the missions that we support. Inside, if you open it up, there are 
six regions of the world that Assembly of God World Missions operates in. We have the Latin America, Caribbean, Europe, Eurasia, Northern Asia, Asia Pacific, and Africa. And of course, the U.S. in which we live is uh, not there because that's served by uh, U.S. missions. Now, as you see the little uh, boxes under each of the regions, you see how many uh, Assembly of God churches and uh, attenders there are, there are ministers, missionaries. But notice the staggering number of spiritually lost people in each of these regions. Hundreds of millions. How many unreached people groups? These are groups of people that have never heard the gospel in each of these regions. Many, many. And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are seeing more and more people reached. As you see at the very bottom of the page, some statistics. Uh, we have missionaries in 256 countries, and there is one new believer being added every 37 seconds. So, multiple new believers have been added around the world through the missionaries that we support uh, just in the brief time I've been talking. Every 95 minutes, a new church is planted. People are not just being saved. Churches are being planted with uh, ministers. Of course, to have a church, you have to have a minister. In every 73 minutes, a new minister is enlisted. On the back page, you see the results. Uh, totally, uh, currently now, there are 69 million people in 367,000 uh, Assembly of God churches around the world. And so... We are not uh, a mega church yet, right? I guess some of you think we are, but not yet. Okay, we're getting close, but uh, not quite yet. But we are part of something much, much bigger than the biggest mega church in St. Louis. Uh, we are part of something that is reaching the world, and we want to take the vision, we want to take the passion that motivates uh, the missionaries that we support and make a difference right here in our city. Now, our long term vision. At Life Church St. Louis is to continue to reach the lost here. Ultimately, we want to build a 500-seat sanctuary right on this property. We want to plant multiple satellite churches across the metro area. And how are we going to do it? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only as we put into practice these four mission commands to reach the lost, plant churches, get people incorporated, train leaders, and to serve the poor. Now today we're going to talk about, my uh, message is entitled Concentric Circle Outreach. Probably not the most intriguing uh, title. All my titles aren't the best, you know, but there are people might say, what is that? So maybe that is uh, interesting. But we're going to be talking about how Assembly of God missionaries reach the entire world and how we can reach St. Louis. And we'll get to the ex explanation of the title a little later on in the message. But our text today is found in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is extremely important, and it's a pivotal book in the New Testament. You see, the first four books in the New Testament are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then comes the book of Acts, and after Acts comes the letters of Paul and some of the other apostles, ending in uh, the book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament. And so Acts marks a transition point in the New Testament. We have the ministry of Jesus in the first four Gospels. Then we have this transition point in Acts where, as we'll see today, Jesus ascends back into heaven, so he's no longer on the earth, and it transitions into the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church. 
Now, unfortunately, the vast majority of churches and denominations wrongly interpret Acts, and they miss out on the secret of the power of the Holy Spirit for missions. Now, the common and wrong interpretation of Acts is that Acts is simply a record of church history. It is a record of church history. Everything in Acts actually happened, but it's not simply that. The wrong interpretation says that it's just church history and it has no real relevance, relevance to us today. It's something that happened in the past. It has nothing to teach us today. The correct interpretation of Acts, which is held by Assemblies of God and hundreds of millions of spirit-filled believers around the world, is that Acts shows us how believers in the church should function today through the power of the Holy Spirit. The teaching of the book of Acts is, is normative practice. It's telling us how things should be. It's how the early church started. It's how it should continue today. And as we're going to see, this is really proven in the very first verse of Acts. I encourage you to take out the white sheet in the middle of your bulletin. It has the, the uh, outline and study questions as well there. Jesus' mission continues. Acts 1 verse 1 says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. You might want to circle that word, began. The book of Acts was written by Luke. Luke also wrote, which gospel? It's a tough question, right? The gospel of Luke. So he wrote two books in the New Testament. And so he's referring to the first book is the gospel of Luke. And Luke is here writing that the gospel of Luke dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And this statement implies that the book of Acts records what Jesus continued to do and teach. But we're going to see today that Jesus ascended back into heaven by the ninth verse of the first chapter of Acts. And so how can Jesus continue to do and teach if he's in heaven? Well, the book of Acts was written to describe how Jesus' ministry continues, how Jesus' ministry of teaching, how Jesus' ministry of, of supernatural miracles continues through the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. Now, of course, the same people who say that Acts is not for today also say that the miracles of Jesus are not for today either. But as we read the book of Acts, we see believers, apostles, and non-apostles. There's another argument. It's only for the apostles. There's non-apostles that perform the same types of miracles, healing, of deliverance, of even raising the dead that Jesus had done. And they continue to teach and preach the same message. And so the rest of the New Testament, after the Gospels, after the book of Acts, assumes the supernatural aspect of the church's ministry. And they see it, the Bible sees it as an extension of the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus continuing to do and teach through the Holy Spirit, working in and through the church. And so that's going to continue the New Testament teaches until Jesus returns again. Let's look at verse 2 and 3. It says, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave commands to his apostles and disciples through the Spirit. 
And we're going to be talking about some of those commands that he gave immediately before he ascended into heaven today. And so the whole scheme of things was after Jesus rose from the dead, he stayed on this earth for 40 more days. And during that time, he did two things. First of all, he presented proofs that he really was alive. All kinds of proofs. He showed himself to the apostles. He showed himself to many other people. The Bible says he showed himself to hundreds of people during those 40 days. He allowed people to touch him. He ate with people. He talked to people. He proved that he was alive, that the resurrection that he had predicted had indeed happened. The second thing that Jesus did during those 40 days was to continue to teach his disciples about the kingdom of God. And so in the first three verses of Acts, we see that Jesus' mission is going to continue after he sends into heaven. He's going to make sure that it continues because the mission that Jesus started when he came had not yet been completed, and it's not completed even now. And so what are the implications for us today? Well, first of all, we can't ignore, we can't disregard the commands that Jesus gave to his disciples in the book of Acts. We can't ignore or disregard the teaching that we see by example in the record that Luke has for us in Acts. And in this country and around the world, we see a great falling away of many people and many churches who once claimed to be following the word of God. And it's sad, but let's see how Jesus commands us to reach the lost. Believers must seek spirit baptism, verse 4. And again, the things that somebody says before they leave for a long time, it could be, you know, if somebody knows that they're going to pass away, the last things they say, the last words are pretty important. And these are Jesus' very last words before he ascends into heaven, and they're extremely important. He says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And so these words of Jesus to his disciples were orders or commands. These weren't suggestions. He says, this is what you need to do. I'm Lord of Lords. I'm King of Kings. This is what you need to do. Don't go anywhere. Wait for something, which he called here the promise of the Father. And he said, I, I previously told you about it. Well, we have to look back to the Gospel of Luke to say what Jesus uh, previously said. Verse 49 of the end of Luke says, And behold, Jesus is speaking here. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And here, again, we see Jesus had previously told them they need to stay, they need to wait for this promise, and this promise is going to give them supernatural power to carry out the commands that Jesus was going to give them. And without that power, they would fail at the mission. The mission could not be fulfilled without this power. And so Jesus' command was twofold. First of all, don't try to do this on your own, guys, on your own boys, because it's not going to work. You need the power that I have for you. And so he continues in verse 5. He says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so Jesus here spells out what the promise of the Father is. It was to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples that Jesus was speaking to had already received the Holy Spirit. 
We see that in the last part of the Gospel of John. They had already been born again, but they had not received spirit baptism. They had not received this infusion of supernatural power, which is a separate experience. And so Jesus was commanding the first disciples here, uh, and he's commanding us, disciples of all ages, to seek to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, many would argue that those commands were only for the apostles. I mean, see, this is a common argument, but... As we read on in Acts, we see that's simply not the case. Uh, in, this, in these verses that we've read, it may well be indeed he was speaking to the twelve. But obviously there were more disciples around at the time. Because how many, how many people were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? 120. That's a, a few more than 12, isn't it? And so there were 120 disciples of Jesus waiting and praying for spirit baptism on the day of Pentecost. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus promises that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. A very uh, untaught scripture. Many believe that all, all believers are automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit when they're saved. They're quite sure, quite sure what it does, but it's just automatic. But Jesus said you have to ask for the Holy Spirit. And that's uh, the first disciples. As we see on the day of Pentecost, they waited, they prayed, they asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. And so we must wait on, we must ask the Father to baptize us in the Spirit in order to receive the power that Jesus promised, because spirit baptism gives power to fulfill the mission, the mission that we have on this earth. So at this point, the disciples didn't realize that, that Jesus really was going to leave them. Uh, they thought that he was going to become king. That's what they've been waiting for all along. He's going to become king. He's going to drive out the Romans and establish an earthly kingdom. And they had it all wrong. And so in verse 7, Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power, underline that word power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so there are a lot of people today still spending inordinate amounts of time trying to figure out when Jesus is going to return again. And you see charts, you see things, and people trying to figure it out, uh, prophetic timetables. And Jesus is saying here, don't worry about it. Don't waste your time. The Father knows when it's going to be, and that's not for you to seek to figure it out. You can't figure it out. Because if you try to figure it out, it's going to distract you from what you're supposed to do. And what you're supposed to do is to be my witnesses. What you need to concentrate on is receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. Not just in your home, hometown, uh, which was Jerusalem. Not just in Judea, which is kind of like their state. Not like in Samaria, which was a neighboring area of people different than them, but to the very ends of the earth. And that's the mission. Acts 1.8 is the mission, not just for the first disciples, but for believers of all ages. It's God's mission for us today. And... It's summarized in that mission statement, uh, our purpose statement on the wall, so all can hear to be witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And the power of the Holy Spirit is given so that we can fulfill that mission that Jesus began but didn't complete while he was here on this earth. And it can only be fulfilled 
with the power of the Spirit. Now it says in this verse that we'll receive power to be witnesses. What does a witness do? Well, a witness talks about what they have experienced. A witness talks about what they have seen. And that's what we are to do. If we are saved people, if we are believers, we have an experience with Jesus Christ. We are to tell others about it so that they can also enter into that experience. And witnesses for Jesus will do the same things that he did. They will teach what he taught. They will do what he did. And so Jesus then lays out the mission strategy, this concentric circle outreach in these verses. So there are four areas of missions that he lays out here. The first which corresponds to Jerusalem for the disciples back then, is where we live. We live in St. Louis. That's, that's our Jerusalem, the metro area of St. Louis. The next circle is the province or region, and Jesus talked about Judea. Jerusalem was located in Judea for us. I think it would be the state of Missouri. Okay, That's, that's where the city of St. Louis, uh, <clears throat> for the most part, I mean, Illinois too, but... Uh, it's mostly in, in Missouri. The next circle would be uh, Samaria, which, which is the other part of Israel, which was north of Judea. And, and in some, Samaria lived people who were quite different from the Jews. It, they were the Samaritans. There were people different. And as we go around the United States, there are people different than us. Uh, and so our country is the, is the third area. And finally, the entire world is the same, reaching to the ends of the earth. And so God calls each one of us to be witnesses in our own city, where we live, where we work, uh, where, we, uh, where we play. And so we are to be witnesses in our own city, but we're responsible for the other circles as well. And that's something that Sometimes people don't realize we're not just responsible for our city. We're responsible for the other circles. And how do we accept that responsibility? We accept that responsibility for the other circles by praying for people who are called to the other circles and by giving to missions so that those who are actually being feet on the ground missionaries in those circles can be supported And so I'd like to, uh, us to watch a video today, Assembly of God Missionaries in Northern Asia, and it's called Making Connections, and this is one of the restricted access areas uh, in which Assembly of God Missionaries are going at, at risk uh, of, at very least, of being deported, and uh, even worse could happen. And so these are things that we can't show on the internet uh, but, and there won't be a lot of names here, but uh, this is uh, what people are going to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. And these are people that God calls us to support. So let's watch uh, this video from Northern Asia. How do we support missionaries like that? Well, we pray. We're going to pray at the end of the service for the missionaries that are working uh, in Northern Asia. And God wants us to help to support missionaries financially as well. Uh, we support our local church as we reach out in this city with our tithes, 10% uh, of our income. But we support missionaries going to the ends of the earth by offerings that we give above the tithe. 
And on December 10th, a little more than a month away, you're going to have an opportunity to make a faith promise for your missions giving in 2018. And we're going to have a special missionary guest who, who is also going to be going into a restricted access country. And so we can't talk about that country uh, verbally uh, in a taped thing as this is, but uh, he's going to be here uh, with his wife. And so begin now to pray about what God would have you do, thinking about what God would have you give a faith promise that you believe that God's going to help you to give to support missionaries in 2018. And so the mission is ongoing. The mission of Jesus, go to the ends of the earth, it's ongoing. It's not completed yet. And when is it going to be over? Well, Jesus is going to return when the mission is completed. And so as Jesus was talking to his disciples there in Acts chapter 1, he surprised them and ascended up into heaven. You know, his feet left the ground and he went up into the clouds and he was hidden from their sight. And then after that, two angels appeared and spoke to the disciples. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so he went up into heaven and the angel said he would come again. Now Jesus had given these orders to be witnesses for him to the very ends of the earth. He given those orders, and when the mission is complete, he will return. How do we know that? Well, Jesus said it explicitly in Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said, in this gospel, the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so only God the Father knows when the gospel has been proclaimed to all nations. But as you can see from the chart in that handout, the number of spiritually lost people, unreached people groups, it seems, to me at least, that we have quite a ways to go yet until everybody knows. But we can be confident that one day the mission will be completed and Jesus is going to return. And so today we've looked at the mission that Jesus gave his church before he ascended into heaven. It's the same mission that he had to seek and to save the lost by teaching about the kingdom of God and by doing the same things that Jesus did. And so in order to partner with the Holy Spirit in fulfilling this mission, we need the power of the Holy Spirit available in our lives through spirit baptism. We'll talk more about that in another series, but the, the truth of spirit baptism was largely lost in the church for almost 2,000 years until it was rediscovered at the turn of the last century. And uh, the founding of the Assemblies of God in 1914. And since that time, worldwide missions has exploded with hundreds of millions of new believers coming to the Lord around the world. And so Jesus' mission strategy of every believer being involved in this concentric circle outreach is important for each of us to embrace, to be witnesses for Jesus in our area, in our circle of influence right here in St. Louis, and supporting those who are called to other circles of influence, including the other side of the world in, in Northern Asia through prayer and giving. And so our task, our purpose, our most important purpose in life is to fulfill God's command so that all can hear to carry out that mission. We advance that mission by reaching the lost, planting churches, training leaders, and serving 
the poor. And when the mission is complete, Jesus will return. And so today I want to give an opportunity for any here who may not have may not be a believer in Jesus yet, so I'd like to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to pray. If you'd like to become a believer this morning, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, I encourage you to pray along with me so that you can be part of fulfilling the mission. Say something like this, Jesus, today I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things. But I believe that you died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven, and that you rose from the dead three days later. Come into my life. I commit myself to serving you as my Lord and Savior and fulfilling the mission that you have for me and my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for the mission that Jesus gave us to fulfill as his church. We thank you for the purpose that you have for our lives to fulfill this mission. We're not here by accident. We're not here just to wander through life. We're here with a specific purpose and mission. Forgive us, God, for not making that mission the highest priority. Forgive us for thinking that it was just for ministers or evangelists, God. Help, it, help us to make it our highest priority in life, to seek your kingdom first, to seek to let everybody we know hear the gospel. And God, we know we can't do it in our own strength, and so we seek the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives to carry out this mission, God. Help those who have not yet received spirit baptism to continue to seek until they do receive. And for those of us who have, God, may we be continually filled. May we draw on the power of the Spirit to be your witnesses right here in the St. Louis area. Show us, God, how to support missionaries in the other circles of your strategy through prayer and giving. Today we pray for the Assembly of God missionaries that were, are in Northern Asia that we heard about. We pray for them, God. We pray that you'd keep them safe. We pray that you'd give them wisdom in their ministry. We pray that people would be saved. We pray that churches would be planted. God, we pray that our participation with your mission would hasten the day of your return, would bring it closer as more and more people hear the gospel and give their lives to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.